Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here and taking time out of your day to listen and grow with God. We pray that God will speak to you and you will experience His amazing love through this message. Let's take a listen. All right, Friday night's the men's conference. Are the, are the men excited about this? Are y'all excited about this? So uh, as you can see from the videos, it's going to be a ton of fun, good food, good music, uh, powerful message. One of my pastor friends is going to be here, James Griffith, and we're going to talk about fight night. We're going to talk about fighting for our faith, fighting for our families, fighting for our kids, fighting for our marriages. It's, it's going to be a phenomenal night. would absolutely love for any of the men uh, to join us. Right now, we have 230 men signed up, so we have 70 spots left, and so maybe one of those seats has your name on it. The deadline to register is tomorrow. And so go ahead and get signed up today uh, for uh, the men's conference. It's going to be phenomenal. So in Matthew 22, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. This is known as the great commandment. And Jesus summarizes the Big Ten, the Big Ten commandments, into two commandments. Love God and love people. And I think it's fascinating to me that Jesus says the second is equally important. You ever thought about that? The second is equally important. That loving people is just as important as loving God. In fact, the apostle John says that if we do not love people, we're not true Christians. We're not true followers of Jesus. Listen to what John says in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Pretty simple, right? If we don't love people, then we don't love God. So today we're talking about the second purpose in Rick Warren's book. We're reading, as we're beginning in the new year, we're reading this book together, uh, The Purpose Driven Life uh, by Rick Warren. And the second purpose that he talks about in the book is fellowship. That's what we're talking about today is fellowship. Now, fellowship is our relationship with other believers. Fellowship is is our relationship with our other brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want you you to think about your relationships. We have a vertical relationship. That's our relationship with God. And we talked about that last week, our number one purpose is to love God. Our number one purpose is to worship God and our our relationship with him. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is our savior. He is our heavenly father. We are to worship him. We are to trust him. We are are to obey him. And I love the analogy that is used in the book that that God is our king and we are his court, right? So we have a relationship with him. We have a friendship with him, but he's also king and he's calling the shots. And we're to obey him and we're to trust him. So that's our vertical relationships. And then we have our horizontal relationships. And generally speaking, there's two groups of people that we have relationships with. One is non-Christians. 
those people who don't go to church, those people who are outside the walls of the church, those people who don't know Jesus. And we're gonna talk about that in a couple of weeks. That's evangelism, that's missions. We wanna wanna reach people who don't know Jesus. But then we have our relationships with Christians. That's fellowship. And we are to love one another. So that's what we're talking about today. We're to follow the example of Jesus. Now Jesus, he loved all people. We, We are to love all people. But the Bible's clear that we're to especially love those people who are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It says in Galatians 6.10, therefore as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So we're to love everybody, but we're especially to love those who belong to the family of believers. So as Christians, we've been adopted into God's family. And in the book, Rick Warren uses the term formed for God's family. So that's the title of today's message, formed for God's family. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, and this gave him great pleasure. Last week, we talked about we wanna please God. We wanna wanna bring pleasure to God. And just the fact that we are his children, just the fact that we are in his family, it brings him great pleasure. So not only did God bring us into a relationship with him, but he's adopted us into his family. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we are are to have family-type relationships with other believers. We we are to live in fellowship with other Christians. So God is our heavenly Father, and other believers are our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have spiritual relatives all over the world. People of different countries, uh, different languages, different tribes, different people groups. Uh, the, the last report that I saw, there's over 2 billion Christians in the world, or 2 billion people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so we are a part of the big C church, the church worldwide, but we're also to be part of the little C church, the local church, right? So, so spiritually speaking, we have this, we're part of this huge family of faith, but we all need a smaller family of faith, which is the local church. And so God created us for relationships. God created, created us for community. Even if you go back to the Garden of Eden, before sin enters the world, before, enter, in, before evil enters the world, the creator of the universe says it's not good for man to be alone, right? God doesn't want us to be alone. He wants to have relationships. He, he wants us to live in community, and so he's our heavenly father, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're taking notes, point number one is every Christian needs a church home. Every Christian needs a church home. Every Christian needs a place to belong, a place to fit in, a place to be loved and cared for and nurtured. Every Christian needs a church family. First Peter 3.8 says, you should be like one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble 
minds. And so our church is a home. We are a spiritual family. We, we are one big, happy family. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, are we not family? We are one big, happy family. And I love when people visit our church, and people tell me this all the time, and many of you have told me this, like we were gonna visit all of these churches, but Greystone was the first church that we came to, and we walked through the doors, it just felt like home. And so we decided not to visit any other churches, like, like we came home, like this is our home. We have church members move away, and they try to go to another church, and they're like, it just doesn't feel like home. I love the testimony of, of Steve and Kim Sexton. They had left Greystone for a few years, and God spoke to them and said, it's time to go home. It's time to come home. And I'll never forget the Sunday that they came home. And they always sit on the front row because Kim's a little shorter. Um, and I remember going up and giving them a hug and saying, we were saving your seat. We were saving your seat. We were saving the seat for you. I wanna spend some time, and I realize, I realize we have visitors here. We always have visitors. We always have guests. We want you to feel welcome. We have, today's a special day because we're having baptisms, and a lot of people are, are crashing the waters of baptism. But I wanna I want speak a word to our church members. Okay, I wanna speak a word to those people who already call Greystone your home. Uh, here at Loganville, Monroe, Coney, online. I wanna I want share a few things with you. Number one is Jennifer and I love you, okay? You guys are family. When we moved, moved here from Texas, we, we didn't have any family here. <laughs> you guys are our family, we love you. And you probably think, well, you, tell, you say that too much. But I don't know if you can ever say it too much, right? I love you, man, I love you. <laughs> so we love you guys. This, the second thing is, this is our church. If you're a member of Greystone Church, like this is your church. It's, Jennifer and I don't own the church. Uh, our, our, our grandchild, Jesse, uh, our youngest, she used to think that we own the church. Like, because we're the pastors, we, we own the church. We, we don't own the church. The members of Greystone Church own the church. Like, like the, according to the bylaws and the Constitution, we own the church. And God has blessed our church family. We have multiple homes, right? We have a home here in Loganville. We have a home in Monroe. We have a home in Bogart. One day, we're trusting God we're gonna beach home, right? <laughs> we're gonna go to the beach, all of us old people, and, and have a home at the beach. Like, this, this is our home. And like a family, we all have a seat at the table. When, when, before our older kids moved out, uh, in our kitchen, we had, we, we've had the same table for, you know, 28 years, however long we've been married. We've had the same table. And there's six, six seats around our table. And everybody has their seat, you know, that they, that they sit in. Like, we, you know, everybody sits in the same seat at every dinner, every, every meal. Here at Greystone Church, everybody has their seat. Right? You all sit in the same seats every week. Sometimes you get frustrated when somebody's sitting in your seat. I heard someone say that last week. Hey, somebody sit in my seat. Right? Some of you get here early and save your seats. 
right? You put your purse down, your Bible down. Some people get here early so they can sit in the back. Some people get here early so they can sit in the front. We all, we all have our seats. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a seat, having your, your seat, okay? Jennifer and I have our seat. We, we have our seats over here on the front row. Now, about a month ago, I gave up my office. So I had an office over here, and we had the need for a cry room. And so it's like, well, let's just turn my office into the cry room. And, and so uh, my office right up here, so my seat was here. And so I moved my office into this uh, broadcast room, real, really this storage room over here. Basically, my office is a couch in the storage room. <laughs> so I told Jennifer, I said, well, let's just move to the front row on this side. So then that way, I could, you know, if I need to go into the office and get something, we'll, we'll be right there. And so we tried it one Sunday. Jennifer said, no, we, you, she said, you can walk across the auditorium to get to our seats, right? And so, so we all have seats that we sit in. And most people, you have a service that you come to. Some people come at 9.30, some people come at 11. It's, it's the same every, every week across all of our campuses. So when I, I wanna ask you to do something. Now, we're already a friendly church, so that, that's one of the things that people tell us all the time. We were, we were a very friendly church, welcoming church. But I, I want us to take it up a notch. So there's a couple of things I, I want to ask you to do. If there's someone sitting on your row or in your section, and you know who sits on your row and you know who sits in your section, and if there's someone sitting there that you don't know, I want you to introduce yourself and say hello, and welcome that person. And I want you to view it, this is your house, this is your home. And if you have a guest that comes into your house, you welcome them into your home, right? So like when, when our daughter, Jessie, and I was joking that she's our granddaughter, she's not our granddaughter, she's 14. Um, you know, when she brings a friend over to our house, we try to do everything we possibly can to make her feel welcome, right? Now, if it's a little boy that comes over, we do everything to make him unfeel welcome, right? <laughs> Just kidding. But this, this is our house. So I want you to be observant on Sunday mornings, and I want to reinstitute the two-minute drill. And we used to talk about this all the time, the two-minute drill, the two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is as soon as the service is over, the first two minutes after the service is over, it's our job to speak to someone we don't know. Don't speak to people you already know, people you're gonna be playing golf with later, people who are in your small group. The first two minutes, you look for someone you don't know, and that's who you talk to for the, for the first two minutes. And that could be someone who's been here forever that you don't know, but it's good to get to know new people. I meet new people every single Sunday that I don't know. All right, the second thing I want you to do is, since you know who sits on your row and you know who sits in your section, if their seat is empty and they're not here that day, I want you to reach out to them. Hey, we missed you at church. I noticed you weren't here. Is everything okay? So when our kids were in high school and they're driving cars and they're all over the place, like we had one rule. We all come together for dinner. Right? Every night we would come together for dinner. You can go do whatever you want, you know, before dinner, after dinner, but we're all together for dinner. 
And if one of our kids wasn't in their seat at dinner, we're calling them, we're texting them, hey, where are you? Are you okay? Is everything all right? And it's the same at church. If someone isn't in their seat, if someone's not here, I want to encourage you to reach out to them. So you need to get to know the people in your section, learn their names. And so every week, right, you talk to people, you tell people you love them, and give them a hug. Now, everybody gives me a hard time about my hugging rules. And it's not complicated. They are not complicated. If it's someone of the opposite sex, it's a side hug. It's simple, right? If it's, if it's two men, it's a bro hug. It's just a, a bro hug, one, one tap, move out. No lingering. If your weight is on your front foot, it's too much linger, okay? And then with the ladies, and I'm not involved in any lady-to-lady hugging, it's Australian rules. Anything goes. Whatever y'all want to do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. But we are a family, and we love and care for each other, especially those in our family of faith, and especially those who are sitting in our row, Sitting, sitting in our, you want to get to know the people that you're worshiping with. The second thing is every Christian needs a small group to share life together. In the book, Rick Warren says that when it comes to fellowship, smaller is better. Smaller is better. Like rows are great, but circles are better. And it's just as, as in life, you know, we have immediate families. Like this is our big happy family, but then we have smaller immediate families. I think the illustration he uses in the book is, you know, the church is a cruise ship, but small groups are the lifeboats of the cruise ship. People are not just looking for a friendly church, people are looking for friends. We all need friends. We need people to do life together. It's one of the basic necessities of life. Every Christian needs a small group of Christian friends, like-minded friends, people who believe the same way that we believe, people who hold the same values that we hold, people who are raising their kids the same way that we are raising our kids. Now, I understand life's busy, and everybody has responsibilities, and I've heard every excuse in the book when it comes to not joining a small group, but each person needs to find a small group of believers that can do life with, that you can study the Bible together, that you can pray together, that you can care for one another, you can eat meals together, you can enjoy life together. Every believer needs an immediate family to do life with. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, okay? You, you cannot do it on your own. It's hard enough to live the Christian life in fellowship and community and with like-minded friends, to try to live the Christian life on your own, it is impossible. And so we wanna live the Christian life in fellowship with other believers. God created us to need one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to meet one another's needs. He formed us for his family. He wants us to live in fellowship with him and other believers. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. 
Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Pity the woman who falls and has no one to help her up. Pity the student who falls and has no one to help them up. See, in life, we are all going to fall down. None of us is perfect. We all make mistakes. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, life is full of ups and downs. Life is full of peaks and valleys. And when you're going through a difficult time, do you have a friend that can pick you up? Do you have a group of friends who can pick you up? And are you a friend to someone else in their time of need? I want you guys to check out this small group testimony from uh, Matt and Mary Ellen Smith. At the end of December, we got the, I got the call that no parent wants to have. Um, my husband called and said there's been a hunting accident and Witt is very injured. Didn't know what that was. I was in Atlanta or Athens and um, they were in, out in Arkansas doing some um, great duck hunting. They had a great season, but um, when, when I got that call, I was broken. And all I need to do is to call one of my friends in small group who happens to be the leader of Wit's small group. And um, I broke down. I was frantic and she went into action when I was broken. He went into action to, to provide for Wit when I couldn't. Matt and Witt have been out in Arkansas since the 26th of December, and there has been several surgeries, skin grafts, um, lots of reconstructive surgery, and um, you know, Wit was Wit was down. He was missing school. He was missing his friends, and um, I got a call from Matt saying that our small group gathered his small group and they were driving out to surprise him. What's up, dude? What's up, man? What up, big homie? They drove eight hours out there um, and walked in and Wit went from being down in the dumps in, in his phone to seeing one after another friend come in. And um, then, then the parents, the, the dads were able to love on Matt too. It was just a combination of God's friendship, God's hugs, God's greatness, um, just pouring his love out to Matt and Wit, um, giving, giving Wit friendship, giving Matt friendship, and allowing them just to be, um, be and, and not think about the injury. And, and 
God showing off. That's it. We all need those kinds of friends in our lives, don't we? The kinds of friends that are going to drive from Athens to Arkansas just to see you, just to tell you that they, that they love you and to spend some time with you. That, that was a tearjerker. I don't know if I can even continue on after that. Uh, but those are the kinds of friends that we need, and those are the kinds of friends that we need to be for other people. And, and those, that is what small group is all about. And so today, as we're beginning our small group push, we're going to spend the next three weeks kind of opening the door and inviting people to join small group. We have the catalog in the seats, so you can check these out. We also have out in the lobby at all of our campuses, uh, different small groups set up. You can meet leaders, uh, ask questions, and, and try to get connected into a small group. This is the application for today. If you haven't been, if you're not in a small group, Join a small group. If you haven't been in a small group in a long time, get back in. If you've never been in one, then you can jump in one. And so in the catalog, you'll see that we, ha we have small groups for everybody. And you can pick a small group based upon your season of life, your stage of life. We have small groups for singles and young adults. We have small groups for, uh, for young marriages without kids. We have small groups for, for marriages with young kids, marriages with teenagers. We have blended family small groups. We have empty nester small groups. Like we have a small group for whatever season of life that you are in, okay? You can choose your small group based upon spiritual maturity, okay? We have discipleship groups no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. We have discipleship groups for brand new believers, for growing Christians, mature Christians, uh, spiritual leaders, people who are looking to disciple and multiply their lives, we have in-depth Bible studies, so every different level of spiritual maturity, you can choose your small group based upon that. You can choose your small group based on gender, okay? We have men's groups, and we have women's groups, and those are the only two genders that we offer. <laughs> you can choose small group based upon interest. We have sports small groups. We have yoga. We have game nights. We have parents of prodigals. We have small groups who like to eat food, okay? We have play dates for moms and kids. There's all kinds of special interest small groups. We have Celebrate Recovery, which is really anyone in the church because every single one of us has a hurt or a habit or a hang-up, okay? So we have a small group for you. Encourage you to look in the catalog. You can sign up online. You can sign up on your communication card. You can sign up out in the lobby. And the number three, every Christian needs a parent to teach us. And I'm moving a little bit today from fellowship to discipleship because purpose number three is discipleship. Every Christian needs a parent to teach us. Think about all the things that our parents taught us when we were growing up. How to walk and how to tie our shoes and how to brush our teeth and how to read and how to ride a bike and how to dress a doll and how to catch a baseball and how to cook, and how to wash clothes, and how to dance, and how to put on makeup, and how to drive a car, how to balance a checkbook. I don't know that people have checkbooks anymore. How to buy a house. You know, I still call my parents and ask their advice and ask their wisdom. I call Jennifer's parents, Jennifer's dad. You never stop being a parent, right? Well, spiritually, 
We need a parent to teach us to live out the Christian life. We need an older Christian who can show us how to live out the Christian life. Someone who's more spiritually mature than us. They, they can teach us how to study the Bible and how to pray and how to share our faith and, and how to walk with Jesus and, and how to put on Christ-like character and, and how to serve. We need someone who will come alongside of us and help us grow spiritually. The Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy. Timothy was his son in the faith. 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 14 you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. But as for you, continuing what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. So it's the apostle Paul telling his young Timothy, his disciple, his, his, his son in the faith, I taught you the scriptures. I taught you how to live your life, and you, you followed my example. Follow my example, my purpose, my faith, my love, and so forth. So Timothy has this role model to look up to, someone he could follow his example. The apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So we need to, to come alongside somebody else. They're following Christ. They've been walking with God a little bit longer than we have, and they can show us how to live out the Christian life. Uh, in, second, in, in Titus chapter two, it talks about the older women training the younger women. Titus two, four and five says, the, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to care for their homes and to do good. I wanna encourage every single person in our church to find someone who's just a little bit older than you, men discipling men, women discipling women, someone who can model for you what it is like to live out the Christian life, someone you can follow their example. And if you're a mature Christian, then you wanna pour your life into somebody else. Who is it that you can invest in? Who is it that you can pour into? Who is it that you can take under your wing and help them grow spiritually? We had an incredible discussion uh, earlier this week in, in my men's discipleship group. And our, our group is really growing. We're, we're going through the book together, the Purpose Driven Life book. And uh, the guys got real this week. It was authentic, it was real and honest. And one of the guys was sharing that he's been a Christian for a long time. But it wasn't until he got into our discipleship group that his life really changed. And he really started growing spiritually. And we got to, to, to talking about that. The importance of having a group that can hold you accountable a group that you can do life with, a group that you can be honest and open with, a group that you can share with, you know, having older Christians to, to look up to. And, and, I, and I, I've been doing this for a long time, 30 years, right? 30 plus years in ministry. And over the years, I've seen a lot of people fall away. I've seen a lot of people come and go. And... The parable of the sower gives me great comfort. Mark chapter four, talks about four different 
kinds of souls, four different kinds of people. And of course, we're sharing the word of God every week. And some of the seeds fall upon the path. And Satan, the evil one, comes and snatches them away. And some of the seed falls among the thorns. And the worries of this world choke people out. And some of the, some of the seed falls on rocky soil and it grows quickly but has no roots. And so the sun comes and, and scorches those seeds. And then some of the seed falls on the, the good soil. And it takes root and grows and puts some spiritual roots down and begins to, to grow big and strong and, and bear fruit. And that's what we're trying to cultivate is the good soul. We try to cultivate it on Sunday morning, but certainly in our small groups, cultivating some good soul, a place where a man or a woman can come in and put down some roots and grow spiritually. And that's, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for everybody. We just don't want to just come and go. We want to walk with God for a lifetime. We want to put some roots down deep spiritually. And so that when the storms of life come, like the, wind, the winds may blow, but our roots are deep. Amen. And that's the application today. I know it's super simple, and you guys probably hear us talk about it all the time. <laughs> but we want to encourage you to join a small group. Find a small group people that you can do life with. You don't need a lot of friends, but you need a few friends to do life with. Let me, let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you didn't create us to live alone. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. You created us to live in community. And I thank you by your design, God, you've adopted us into your family. You've given us brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for the brothers and sisters in Christ we have here I think about the aunts and the uncles spiritually. I think about the nieces and nephews, uh, that we are a family and that we love each other, we care for each other, and we, we can do life together. God, I love the, the story of, of Whit Smith. He had the, accident, the hunting accident out in Arkansas, and he's been out there for, for several weeks, he and his dad by themselves. And to have a group of friends, have people from their small group, uh, kids from his small group on Wednesday nights, just jump in the car and drive all the way out to Arkansas just to communicate to them how much they love them and care for them. That's what true friendship is all about. And I pray that for everybody here, everybody watching, everybody listening, that we could have true friends, foxhole friends, people that are gonna be there for us in the good times and the bad. God, we thank you for our fellowship. We thank you for this family of believers. And God, I pray that we could honor you as we love each other. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to go to our website, greystonechurch.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We look forward to connecting with you. We hope you have an amazing day, and we'll catch you next week.